Viewer discretion is advised. I was just as lost as anybody. You serve documents and it says you can't see your children. Man, that just knocks you for six. Mandate. Hi, welcome to Mandate, where we navigate fresh perspectives and nothing is off the table. Tonight's guest house, all the way from 275, Mangere Tamaki Makoto. He is renowned in the community for the work he does in the community and also a community, um, I guess you say, coach, uh, Frank, community coach, who helps to educate parents, grandparents, and also guardians to better manage themselves in terms of parental disputes, but also to navigate in the family courts. And so he has an amazing story of his own uh, and also a message that's impactful and also a message that is very hopeful. And so please put your hands together for the man himself, the passionate Frank Hicks. Oh, thank you. Maro love also, hey, maro love also for... Uh, Frank, um, just I guess uh, if anything, people are thinking community coach, and also because like I said you had you had a, get an amazing story backdrop and backstory, uh, and also we mentioned the family courts, the parental disputes. If you can touch on, on just before we kind of dive even more so in the conversation, Frank, in terms of your own story as to why you're doing what you're doing today. Um, I, I went. Th- I was dragged through the family court in twenty. 20- 14. And what I didn't know at the time was that there were uh, law forms in the courts and family court at the time as well, which meant that a lot of people were confused about the new rules that were happening. And if they were confused, I was confused, judges were confused, lawyers, and I thought, oh gosh, how are we supposed to manage this if people don't quite know what's happening? And it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. Um, But I very quickly, I guess, tried to come to grips with what was happening around me and I found some good people. Um, I formed my own team, if you like, and started to, um, I guess, put in place some some strategies to maximise my chances of success, which nobody at the time told me was ever going to happen. Um, if I'd listened to everybody through those through that period, I may as well have just given up and gone home to an empty home. But um, I didn't want to believe what they were saying that I really didn't have much hope because uh, I was brown, because I was male, because I had a protection order, because I was self-litigating at the end of it because I was a truck driver, because I was severely hearing impaired, and every other reason under the sun as to why I was never going to achieve what I wanted. I didn't really pay much attention to that. So I I, I just believe that, naively maybe, that all that mattered was going to be the quality of my evidence and the quality of the presentation of that evidence. And then how then do I do that? You know, how do I do that on paper? And how do, how do I then stand up and speak about your family without breaking down um, and convince the judge that what was in the children's best interest was the proposal that you've offered? Going through the whole family court process was just awful. It was just... Um, 
Mine went on for about 19 months, um, which is relatively a short time in family courts. Some can go on for years and years and years. But when I got out of that, um, I sat down with mum at the time and, and, and I said, this is just ridiculous. It's just um, something needs to be done here because there was so much that I needed to know and it wasn't being explained to me. Or if it was, it wasn't explained to me in a way that made sense to me. And I didn't think I was that stupid. I think I'm sure, why am I not, get, why am I not getting this? So we thought we'd just try and uh, educate people. So people coming, I was living in Odahu at the time, um, a three-bedroom place, and children were back now. And, and when they weren't with me, people were coming. You know, um, how did you do this? How did you do that? And so I showed it to them. They came out of my place, and I don't charge for anything. I've never charged for anything. And um, they they'll come over, and I'll exp- they'll explain where they're at, and then I'll explain to them what I think. You know, trying to provide some context to where they're at, and it would just be up on the screen or white whiteboard and a projector. And then they'll go, and then someone else would come back the next day. Then when my children come, then I wouldn't do anything. My time with my children was my time with my children. Um, but when they weren't um, with me, it was just full on people coming over, and that kind of evolved into a, um, a workshop that started in twenty eighteen. I did the first one in October twenty eighteen, and um, with some help from. Um, some friends in Wellington, they were the um, Kidsney's dad in Wellington. They came over and saw what I was doing in Odahu with in, in, in the little in our lounge. And so they helped me set up the charitable trust because I was bleeding money. I wasn't charging anyone for this, but you know, if they come over, they'll bring some food, and that was it. But everything else I just paid for, you know, the paper, the ink, and, and all that sort of stuff. And um, so they helped me set the charitable trust up, Guardians of Our Children, and we were just slowly getting some donations that would help cover the cost. Um, and the workshop, first workshop was, was October 2018, and then that just, it just went from there. Each time, getting better and better, getting more refined. Um, I analyse everything at the end of it, and I'm not quite happy with this, not quite happy with that. We'll make it better for next time. And then we got some funding um, from Lotteries, which took it to a whole another level professionally, you know, being able to provide everything for the workshops. Um, and that's where we're at now. And I think the, the workshops are effective. I'm very particular about how they're done, about the information. There's so much information to... Even in a six-hour workshop, it's not enough. The idea was that it was supposed to be a series of workshops. The Make Them Proud was a series of workshops. And the six-hour workshop that we had just recently, that was called Rangitoro initially, which is an overview. And then there was going to be another five, four or five workshops after that, with two-hour ones. And they were all named after the different mountains in around Auckland that uh, my children and I used to play at, uh, Mongafau, Mount Eden. That was going to be for protection orders. And, um, uh, what's one, the, um, well, that sort of stuff. Just to try and explain to people what protection orders are all about and how to live with them and then work your way to having them discharged. 
and then the other the other one was Mongaday that was um, uh, Matt Wellington. That would be uh, parenting orders. How to draft that parenting orders? Because they need to be watertight. You just don't write something. They'll be with Dad on this day, and then me on this day, and then that's it. It's got to be watertight. So we go over all of that, and that's another two-hour workshop. And then self-litigation. If people and I don't promote self-litigation because not very many people can can do it well. Anyone can self-litigate, but very few people can actually do it well and succeed. Um, and we've, you know, been fortunate we've had, we've coached a, a, a number of people to be able to do that. So that was that was going to be another workshop, and so on, and so on. So all of these different mountains that our children, my children, I used to play at. Are the names of each of these workshops, and that's that was the that was the plan. At the moment, we're just doing the six-hour workshop, which is the overview, and that one's called "Make Them Proud: uh, Parental Disputes Workshop." Yeah, right. This is amazing, um, Frank, because you, you're telling me because you're telling me because of your case and what happened to you and, and your wife and or your, your ex-wife and and the kids that you garnered all this, you gained all this information, you kind of learnt kind of on, on the, you know, the whole experience and people were coming to you, to, to you in, 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 in uh, Otahuhu and so you kind of learned all this information on your on your own bat. I'm just wondering because it, it is, it's a, it's a massive, it's a massive issue in this day and age, um, more so now and you see it in, in the in online Kiwi Daddies and it seems like a reoccurring theme. A lot of men saying, oh man, I, need, I miss my kids and there's a, there's a high... A uh, number of, of of men on on Kiwi daddies who kind of look sound real depressed, real anxious, mm. and because of the courts, and they don't know they they they're, they're not aware, they're not informed of how to, to to navigate through the the family courts and the parental disputes, and so you're saying you you kind of just you get to learn while being in in this whole ordeal, and then because of that, you've now you're teaching other other men and other people to. To kind of navigate in the family court, family courts. Wow, that's that's an incredible story, bro. It's um, I was I was just as lost as anybody. You know, you serve documents, and it says you can't see your children. Man, that just knocks you for six, All right? And and then the next question is, will I ever see them again? Right. And that's the same question a lot of the dads are asking. Will I ever see them again? Um, I can assure you that you will see them again. It's, it's just a matter of, of um, using the system the right way, the way it was supposed to be, I believe it was supposed to be it's designed for. But most people have used, are using it because, well, it's adversarial. It's an adversarial system that means you've got to fight and... Um, you got to educate yourself. You got to go in there in this adversarial system. If you're going to go into a boxing ring, you need to learn to box. You can't turn up expecting to fight judo. You're just going to get hammered, right? Um, and that's what's happening. People are turning up to court with really no idea of what it is they're actually turning up for. So um, I'm very particular about when people come through. I've got this huge. Um, flowchart, I think oh, you would have seen on, on uh, at the workshop, and this flowchart, and it's a big one, it just covers most of the wall, and I put it up there, and they'll come in, and I'll just say to them, well, I'm going to go make a cup of coffee, you you tell me where you are on in this chart, then they'll have a look through, and it looks confusing at first, but once they follow it through, they say, oh, actually, I think I'm over here when I come back with the coffee, so that's right, 
So if you can spot where you are now, where did you come from? Oh, I think I came from here. That's right. So now you can see the end. This is where you're headed. Right? And so there's a, there's a pattern to it. There's a path, which means it's predictable. And if once they see that, there's hope. Because without that, it's just this fog of confusion. They have no idea where they are, no idea where they're going. And all that's happening is they're bleeding money. They're paying, you know, thousands of dollars a month for what? But once you show them these, where they are, where they're at, and say, so, okay, if you've got a deadline, oh, I don't know. We need to know if you've got any, anything, if the courts are waiting for anything. Give them a call tomorrow. Oh, I don't have a course. Ask them. Is there anything they expect from you? Um, or contact your lawyer if you've got a lawyer. Just ask them, have you got anything? Um, or contact the, the, the um, family court navigators now. They're out there. There's so many people you can talk to to find out where you are. So once you've established where you are, then you can start formulating plans to move in a particular direction. Without that, you're lost and you'll remain lost for as long, for as wow, long as, you know, wow. for, forever. Shucks, it, it changes everything once you know where you are. That's good, man. Good point. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess um, trying to find out or know where you stand can also mean that you have to confront some truths that may be uncomfortable. And, and I guess, um, do you come across sort of common trends in terms of some of the what some of those uncomfortable truths are for, for our men going through the process? Yeah, I mean, particularly with men, it's the ego, the pride, especially with Pacifica men. We're just one, two generations from warriors who were out there fighting for survival, you know. Um, so was, it's to then be able to try and fight in this Balangi system is just so, so hard. And the, 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 to be able to make it through, you do have to, it's quite confronting. You've got you to be so honest with yourself. Strip yourself naked psychologically. Just... Take away all the lies, all the all, all the fallacies, all of the you know, all of that that makeup that you you present out to everybody else, and just see what's left, and so, and, and and have faith in yourself that you can do this. Um, and it's so hard for people, for men especially, to admit they're wrong. You know, and I've got no problems with that. You know. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, you know, and um, and there's nothing wrong with being stubborn too. If you know you're right and you can prove you're right, then you stand your ground no matter what. You stand your ground, oh, you're just being stubborn. No, 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 because here are the facts, right? But if you are wrong and you know deep down you're wrong and you're standing your ground, well, that's not that's not being stubborn, that's just being stupid. And you got to face it, man. So if, I made a lot of mistakes, um, otherwise we wouldn't have broken up. Um, I made a lot of mistakes going into court and going through the process. Uh, and so I didn't blame other people for it. If it wasn't for my mistakes, and I'll only take ownership for my mistakes, you know, I can only take ownership for my mistakes, but um, you know, if, uh, 
if it wasn't for the mistakes that I made, I would never have been in a family court in the first place. So then I can't, you know, be a bit rich for me to blame everyone else. Oh, you've making a mistake here. You're making the judge made a mistake, or the the court registers made the lawyers are making everyone else is making mistakes except me. But if it wasn't for my mistake, I wouldn't have been there in the first place. So and so I know what I did wrong with the relationship. I know what I did wrong after the breakup, and and I took it upon myself to just own up to it and deal with it, make the changes I needed to make so that I could actually move forward. I couldn't if I didn't. And one of the, one of the, one of the um, I don't know, oh yeah, one of the, one thing I really remember most years ago was a quote from Murray Deeker, the sports broadcaster. Mm-hmm. And and I was just dropping a truck and, and, and he was talking away and he said, Sports doesn't um, build character; it exposes it. And the adversarial nature of the family court is the same. It doesn't build your character; it exposes it. And it exposed mine. I didn't like what I saw, so I changed it. And so it's it's, it's um, and I needed to. It's um, I was totally motivated for my children so if I wasn't going to make the changes for them then I wasn't going to make changes for anybody so it's everything I do is for my children and like I said I've um, you know a lot of people that I've I've, I've dealt with and I've, I've confronted them with some hard truths and I said you got to deal with this that's what the counsellors are for you know um, you got to heal you got to be able to heal before you move because it's, tra- it's traumatic to break up is one thing that's trauma number one break up um, and not see your children, because now you're only going to see them maybe half the time if you're lucky. That's trauma number two, you know. Um, and then to go through family court, that's trauma number three. And that's, that's, you know, if you can get to see your children, that's great. But with a, with a protection order, which a lot of people have, that now you're talking about supervised contact. To get to a position in life where you love your children so much, and now all of a sudden... You can only see them if someone's there supervising. That's soul destroying. Soul destroying, and I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And I've I've dealt with mums also who've had to be supervised. They've carried the children for nine months, right, within them, and then they go through this. Things fall apart, and now they have to supervise the children. It's just you know, it's it's gut wrenching listening to that. But supervision of and 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 I'm you know it's I am a big advocate for protection orders. You know I had one for three years. Um, absolutely sucks, but there is a place for it, um, and it, get, it does get abused. But it's it's a necessary tool to protect children, and then allow for the process to follow through to to be able to get to a point where you can see them again, unsupervised. And then be a dad. Supervised contact isn't being a dad. You just you're visiting, and people watching, making sure you don't say anything or do anything. Um, that's a horrible thing to to have to go through. Um, yeah, but it's yeah. it's very it's very difficult. But there's always there's a way through. That's I can tell you that there's a way through. Because I can, I can imagine, um, Frank, 
like you said, it's traumatic and for a lot of these men who are going through the family courts and trying to get their kids back. Has there ever been a time in your own journey and, and whilst you're helping these men out that you felt like, mate, this guy is not serious. This guy is just all about, you know, looks the part. And like you, like you were saying, you got to make sure you go there. You, your character is going to be exposed when you go to the, to, the, to the court and talk to the judge. But has there ever been a time where someone has, has approached you and said, hey, man, I need, some, I need your help, Frank, help me. And you just knew very, very well, nah, this guy is just, there's, 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 there's a blockage there. This, this guy doesn't mean business. Has it, have you ever come across individuals yeah, like that? Absolutely. I mean, it's not like, you know, we only have all the good stories come to us, you know, the, 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 the innocent ones. There were, and there's no one who's blameless in this, right? And so you got to confront them with those hard truths. Um, you say, well, and they always tell you stuff that sounds, it makes it out to be that um, they were all hard done by, and that's great, up until you see the paperwork. And so you didn't tell me about this, but you didn't tell me about that. You know, well, that was, um, you know, that wasn't my fault. Blah, 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 blah. Well, all this is going to get tested in court. You've come to me now. My role is to test your logic. My role is to try and turn your arguments inside out because if we can do it, if, if you know, if we don't do it here, the judges and lawyers are going to do it all day in court. Um, they're not going to accept what you're saying. And... You know, and, and they don't like it. It's very confronting, and, and I have to do it. I mean, that's why they come to me. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm trying to be their friend. I'm trying to help their children. That's why it's called Guardians of the Children. So to help their children, I've got to do so via their dad or their mum or whoever it is, their grandparents, whoever it is that, can, they, that have come to us. And so we're not, we don't take any sides like that, and we just tell them straight, and so, both that argument sucks. That's not going to hold water at all. You need to change this, that, and the other, and you're still traumatized by the whole thing, which we all are. And said, so you need to look into counselling. I said, oh, I don't need counselling. I said, bro, you know, if you're not going to make these changes, you're not going to get anywhere. I, said, oh, I didn't do anything wrong. It was, it was her. It was yes. okay, bro. And then I let them go. I said, "You need help beyond what I can do." And then I won't see them for months on end. Yeah, you know? and then they'll come back and ask for help. They come back and sorry, Frank, you're right. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. But then that's the thing. A lot of people aren't ready for the information. They're not ready for it. You know, it's um, yeah, it's just. I mean, we had a we had a, a successful case just recently with a dad who lost his, who was going to lose his son, a young, you know, five-year-old. And, but he was, I mean, he was amazing. You know, he, he was self-litigating and he just took on board everything. He just lapped it all up. Yep, got it, yep, yep, right, yep, right. All the paperwork was done, yep, got it. Right. And, he's, and I'll tell him, you know, go check out with the community law centres. Have asked them, talk to them about it. The community, uh, the their family court navigators, talk to them about it. You need legal advice because you're in the legal system, so you need legal advice. We don't give legal advice. You know, we're just parents helping other parents to try and come to terms with all of this. We're, we're teaching them basically to, to 
to argue. So it's, it's a parenting course in an area of an area of parenting that we, nobody teaches. Um, and he just nailed it. But because it's just he had this um, maturity about him, and he accepted it all. He's been, you know, he's, he's only still only a young guy, but he's 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 lived the life. He's done a lot, and so there was that level of maturity that he had that made it so easy. And that guy was able to achieve. Um, he won in court. Not only did he win in court, they already have a high level of co-parenting. That's our objective: is not to win in court. It's not our objective. It's to achieve a high level of co-parenting. And if you're in court, then we'll use the system to achieve that. He managed to do that, and and the court case is finished, and we're probably within a week or two. He has a high level of co-parenting. So his court case was only maybe I don't know. It was less than a year. And then a week or two after, he was having a high level. The, the parenting order became redundant because this is what the order says. But hey, let's do this with the mother, and they agreed to it. And they're just, you know, it's it's an amazing. That is an amazing story. That, that what he's achieved is far more than what I was able to do, and I'm so happy for him and the child. Man, man, that's, that's, cool. that's awesome, man. And and you sort of mentioned the um, a high level of co-parenting, and I was curious about um, what that kind of looks like? Well, it's um, texting, talking, emailing um, my ex far too often. You know, it's every day, pretty much. But it's all about the children. Um, I I um, coach my daughter. She's 11. I coach my daughter's netball team, and she manages the netball team. So every Saturday we're on the sideline just, you know, making sure everything's moving along. And I've I got no idea about netball. I'm just faking it the whole time. Um, and then um, so last year I coached my my son's um, basketball team and she managed it. So, you know, we're, we're there all the time. Um, we'll be at the cafe with the children, just talking about how things are at school and what our expectations are. And then off we go. That's, you know, I'll drop the children off at her place. She's not there and they, they do their thing. And um, that's high level of co-parenting, you know. Or can you pick the children up? I'll, I'm, 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 I can't make it. Okay, I'll get, I'll get them and, and, so, and so on. That kind of thing. Um, and that's really, really high level of co-parenting. The children love it. They absolutely love it, you know. And we'll sit next to each other. You know, with their mother, and we're just giving each other, you know, just some a lot of light banter. You know, just giving each other a bit of shit, and that's quite a, it's quite funny. And the kids just laugh at it. Um, <laughs> it is, it is fun. And, you know, it's, it's, um, and it was always going to be that way, irrespective of what the order said. That was always the objective. So there was a lot of work to get to that point. You just don't get a call order, and then it's all going to happen. Just. That's just one stage out of the way. Now you've got the next stage to try and manoeuvre things to the position where you can, you're, you're relaxed enough to be able to do that. What most people, and that's in the children's best interest, what most people do though is it's win at all costs in court. At all costs, including the damage it's doing to the children. And then they'll blame everyone else for that. And once they've won, and, and they've won a court, and I've seen a number of cases where they've won a court, they've got the court order, and years later, the children still have no real 
relationship with the other parent. And it's parallel parenting. So what happened, you know, going on at mum's place is that's her rules. Then the children go over to dad's and that's his rules. And the mum and dad barely communicate. Two different worlds. That's parallel parenting. And it's not good long term. It's only ever supposed to be a short term solution while you're going through this dispute process. But it becomes their reality for their whole childhood. And going down that path, statistically put those children in uh, on, on track for truancy, poor relationships with other children, self-harming, and then te- uh, youth crime, that sort of thing, and then from youth crime through to adult, adult crime. Now, I, I truly believe that in a lot of cases with adult crime, those, those um, mostly men are in jail. You can track their cases back to youth court, to COCA, care children proceedings, that was poorly managed. And if they managed it well at that level, then it changes the trajectory of that child. And that's what we're trying to do. It's a very different way of uh, approaching it, but that's what we try to do. Wow. Because I, I can imagine, Frank, because you're saying that you know, I can imagine someone who's going through a messy divorce and and like you're saying, sometimes the focus is on parallel parenting. And and sometimes I just want the kids for myself, for myself. And the goal really is, like you're saying, Frank, the goal is to co a high level of co-parenting. And so it is, regardless of the, the split up or the divorce, you can still have that relationship with, the, with your ex-partner or your ex-wife. Uh, but the goal has to be about uh, co-parenting, but also most of the kids. I love what you said. It's um, it has to be about the kids. Otherwise, if it's not about the kids, then it's about themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the judges know that when you when you're presenting your your proposal, you can. It's so easy to say, well, it's in the children's best interest that this happens, right? But under cross examination, when it's being tested by lawyers and judges, it's. You know, they can just scratch through the veneer and see that, well, they actually, it's it's an adult-focused solution to make your life easier. And you're simply saying, attaching that at the end of it in the children's best interests. Um, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, we have children, so that means, you know, we got a, a lot of sacrifices have to be made once you de- once you decide to have children. And then when you split up, there are even more sacrifices now that have to be made. And a lot of people won't make those sacrifices. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You know, it was your fault that we break up. It was, you know, da 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 da. So that's, that's your problem. And because they won't come to that agreement, they're just at loggerheads the whole time. That's where the whole domestic violence thing starts to come in. Um, you know, and it's uh, a lot of it is psychological abuse. And here's the interesting thing. When I went through my one, I, I, I went to a men's group for a couple of years before court proceedings, trying to get my head around this sort of stuff. Um, never once did anybody explain to me what the definition of family violence. I just assumed that if you just touched them, well, that's, yeah, that's a no-brainer. That's fair. So if I don't touch them, then I'm good. But in actual fact, when you have a look at the, uh, the def- legal definition of family violence under the Family Violence Act, uh, de- uh, psychological abuse, well, that's that's a whole other thing. 
because that would have changed everything had I known that. And so when any, anyone, particularly men who come to me for help, I'll print it off. I said, here, yeah, have a look at this, pin it up on your wall because you are this far away from a protection order. You know, one wrong move and now it's supervised contact. If you're struggling with your breakup now under COCA, Care of Children Act, then this could break you if you do one wrong move. So understand the definition of family violence and make sure you don't do it. And, um, and that will make it easier to go through the process. You don't want to complicate your hearing, your, your case, by now making it a family violence application. Someone's made a family violence. Also, you know, I mean, God forbid, uh, Oranga Tamariki application is made. You know, or if it's even worse, then the police will make an application. You just, if, it's, if you're broken up, then COCA, Care Children Act, just keep it there. Just keep it simple and don't say or do anything that will take it out onto that and then bring in Family Violence Act. It just makes it far too hard. I mean, I was silly enough to do that and it made it um, uh, ten times harder. <laughs> Damn. That's, that's crazy. Um, you just sort of got me thinking about the kids in these situations. Is there sort of support for the children that are going through this process, especially ones that are sort of dragged out over a number of years? Yeah, you know what, it's, um, and I've been thinking about that for a long time, eh, and um, if you, the children don't. I mean, there, I mean, there must be some, but there, there, there are heaps of resources out there for mums, and now there are heaps of resources out there for dads. You know, we get counselling and support groups, and, you know, every day of the week you can be going to different ones for mums and dads, I don't see anything for children. You know, the children, you know, if one minute they're with mum and dad, everything's, you know, um, everything's going well, then they have an argument and then dad's gone. He just disappeared. Oh, when do we see him again? You know, um, what happened? And because you're going through the proceedings, you can't tell them. And so the children are asking these questions, especially when they're young. Um, and a lot of the, a lot of the, um, a lot of the people we help uh, with children who are toddlers because they can't speak for themselves. You know, if they were older, the children would say, no, 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 where's dad? Or where's mum? I want to see mum, that sort of stuff. And they have to, you know, now they have to speak to them about it. But because they're, where they're toddlers, so much rubbish gets carried on through the, because of that because the children can't speak for themselves. And... And they're having to deal with it, true, uh, as, as well. Because, I mean, where, where's, where's the dad gone? And, you know, you can't tell them, oh, maybe dad's sick. Or dad's working, what, for six months? <laughs> kind of thing, you know, it's just, they don't know. Um, and that's the hard part, is um, when you finally do get to see them. So much has been going on, and the children have not seen the dad for so long, and the and they're all fighting like mad to see their children again. Right? Not that anybody else knows, apart from the dad and his team, and uh, his family and lawyer and that, fighting like mad. And But as far as the children are aware, has, has he left? You know, And then these abandonment issues start to come into play. He says, oh, does he love me? Does, what's going on here? You know, they're only young. They don't know how to, to come to understand what's happening and they can't be told what's happening. So they have to come to their own conclusions. 
and it's it's I guess it does. I can't imagine what it'd be like for them. But and then when finally Dad gets to see them, finally gets to see them, it's like <laughs> it's it's like you know. Um, you know, those slow motion reunions over the meadows, you know, mm. and the jumping for joy and hugging and that. And it was nothing like that at all. It was like, you know, you're waiting for that slow motion thing, but instead they, they run away. And it's like, what the hell? What's going on here? Cause they don't know. So, you know, they have no idea what's been happening. And other things may have been told to them. Um... And they're too scared to see you. But it takes all of five minutes and they're right into it again. You know, Daddy, love you, Daddy. And and, and it's, I mean, the message I can give to the guys who are going through that is just hang in there, man. Um, You will see them again. You will hug them again. Educate yourself on the process. Find out where you are. Work well with with your lawyer. Most of the people we help have lawyers. And it's, and it's about trying to get a good rhythm with your lawyer, so that everything just flows, and and you'll get there in the end. If your objective is is honourable one, is, is and one where you want to reach a high level of co-parenting, then I believe you get there in the end. Um, it's it's can't all be about the, if it was all about the courts and everyone who won a court would have a wonderful relationship with their children and their ex, but that's not the case at all. They won in court and then ended up losing their children later on because the relationship was just became toxic in between the parents and the children. So it's not about the courts. It's about rebuilding your relationship with the children and the other parent, and you're using the courts to achieve that objective. Mm. Man, I just because the, it is the harsh reality, eh, um, Frank. In terms of because it can be, like you, you mentioned earlier on, the trajectory of of the kids can be can be changed. Yeah, just just, just like that. And so, Jamie brought, brought up a good question in terms of uh, is there support for children out there, and the fix that, that happened around uh, the disputes in, between the parents. But how, but, but for, for you personally, how was it for you? Like in terms of your kids, did you see? What what was happening for your for your kids? Did you, can you could you sense a lot of the the hurt and, and and so forth, or what was for you personally? Yeah, um, I mean, children are really resilient. They're very resilient, but um, family court. Well, you know, when you lose your parent, you know, they're only they're only young. You know, especially toddlers, and a lot of the, a lot of people go through through family court. Um, around that age when the children are still young, especially when you have more than one. The pressure with one having to stay home and the financial pressures, it just starts to build and the, um, yeah, it makes it really, really hard for the children. But they, you know, what, what I've seen is with a lot of toddlers is they start playing up. They don't know. They can't argue the point, right? It's still too young. But they know the difference when there is a fairness. They know the they understand the concept of fairness because um, one minute one parent and both parents were there, then the other one's gone, and it's like what? And and the pressures become too much. They start, generally speaking, they they tend to they start to play out with the other parent. And here's the interesting thing too: is that when um, the the 
you don't have your children. I think I mentioned this at the workshop. It is actually far easier to fight for your children when you don't have them because you've got so much time in your hands now. Um, no, I'd, I'd, I was at, I'd go to the Davies Law Library every Sunday or every second Sunday and just sit there going through the family court um, section trying to get my head around this sort of stuff. A lot of it was just way beyond me. But there were a couple of really good books I did come across, which was which was brilliant. Um, and I was able to go to different support groups, uh, men's support groups around, around Auckland. I was able to meet up with so many people. I was able to to sit down and learn how to write affidavits, you know, from from lawyers who would teach you, were willing to teach me. All of these things I was able to do because I had that much time in my hands. But at the same time, you know, and what I see with with other cases is that the children are playing up with the other parent because they've got them 24-7 and it's just too intense. There's very little time for them to be able to focus on the case whereas if um, you have a protection order and you don't have the children, you've got a lot of time in your hands. You've got two options. You can either wallow in self-pity, feel sorry for yourself or you can use that time wisely and educate yourself on what needs to happen to be able to, to build your case. And so it's much easier. I mean, I mean, it comes at a cost, of course. You know, you don't see the children. But like I said, I, I think I'd like to think I use my time wisely. But a lot of people won't won't do the hard yards. You know, and I've said that to, to people. You know, to hey, um, you want to meet me at Davis Law Library? I'll, I'll be there on Sundays. And oh, and then the excuses come. Well, there's a workshop coming up. Hey, I've got a workshop and all, all the information's here. Oh, I've got, um, you know, what day is it? It's on Saturday. Oh, I've got rugby on. Okay. You know, it's, if, if you're not motivated by your children, then what's going to motivate you to do these things? I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. Um, you got to be, you got to make it happen, man. We're, we're, we're the dads. We're the ones who are supposed to be doing these things, right? Doing all the hard yards. Um, and so it's it's just got to be done. And some people will do it. And I think a lot of people, a lot more people would do it if you just guide them through step by step. And, and, and once they see the small victories start to come, that's huge for them, you know. It just might be an email, uh, a concession from one, from the other side via email. So you haven't even been to court. Brilliant, well done, bro. Good, you got it. You got it. Keep it going, and then they see that that gives them hope, and these little successes just keep coming, you know. And then you may, you know, fall on your face later on, but hey, pick yourself up, go again, and just stay on track. You know, iron the prize, and that is rebuilding your relationships. It may take some time, but keep it going. There's a lot of hope there. It's good, man. Mm. It's good. I mean, you you talked about uh, rebuilding relationships and. I imagine that in these high-pressure scenarios when there's so much at stake, um, it brings out the best and worst, you know, from both sides. And, and I'm curious about how, um, whether it's advice or experience in terms of how building, rebuilding relationships are between, um, you know, husband and, and ex-wife or wife and ex-husband. Um, because I imagine those relationships after you've gone through this process, that is already hard. But to rebuild it with someone that you've already had it with, um, is make, is even twice as hard. So I'm curious about that aspect of rebuilding relationship when things have been heated and drawn out. And yeah, I know. I mean, it, the whole thing's a horrible. 
whole process, the family court process is just horrible, you know, but as you say, it brings out the worst on everybody. But if the objective is to, to rebuild your relationship with your children, then you do have to let go of a lot of things, a lot of the pain, you know. Um, and you also, you know, so you've you got you to gotta come to terms with, with the things that you did wrong, your own feelings, and then um, what have you done to make sure it doesn't happen again when you're under pressure. So, so it's a constant effort. You know, it's not, it's, 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 you know, it's even now, it's just a constant effort. And that's just parenting. <laughs> you know, it's, that's just the way it is. And we chose to have children. And so this is the way it has to be. And if you don't want to do that, well, then I think, you know, you've missed the whole point of parenting. Um, so it takes a lot of sacrifices, you know, to be able to be in that position where you can sit next to your ex and have a conversation, uh, a civil conversation about different things and just have a laugh, you know. And it's great to be able to laugh. Yeah, it's it's one of the, you know, the best medicine out here is to be able to sit with your ex and have a laugh. Yeah. That's a really cool way of putting it because I imagine if... <laughs> If you can get yourself into a position where you can have a laugh with yeah. your ex or with someone like that, then that's sort of the beginning. Yeah, you're able to have a dialogue of some sort. Yeah. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. It's just just the objective. You know, it was never it was never about the court. I guess in the beginning stages, it was all about the courts, um, trying to win at the courts. But I was fortunate for whatever reason. Um, that I was able to realign the goal to something else other than winning in court. See, and 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 when actually when when the breakup happened in twenty twelve, it was one of the things I did. I wrote up on the wall at home with a big felt up pen. I just wrote up on the wall. What did I write? It was um uh no. No lawyers, no lies, no drugs, no alcohol, no violence. That was all I knew. We broke up in 2012. That was all I knew. Nothing about the family court stuff. Um, and I just figured, for some reason, I just figured if I just stuck to that, I should be okay. Um, but I, I, I failed on a couple of those. Um, one was the um, no violence because I didn't know the definition of family violence at the time. And I, um, I quickly educated myself on that, but didn't do it well enough because uh, 2014 I ended up with a protection order. So <laughs> that didn't work. And once you get a protection order, well, now you've got to respond and I had no idea. So no lawyers, I ended up having to get a lawyer. But the other, the other, you know, the other ones I I, I stuck to, um, no lies, no, no, um, no drugs, no alcohol, and that was even though you know um, sleeping pills. I mean, you'd go without sleeping for ages, for days, because your mind just going a hundred miles an hour, and your body's tired. You lie down, you well, you know you're going to fall asleep. You you're, you're dead tired. You're going to fall asleep, but then you just eyes. Open and your mind just won't let you sleep. It's just going 100 miles an hour. Um, totally immersed in this. 
and I went to my cousin's place once. This was uh, during the court proceedings, and I'd gone three days without sleeping. And I wouldn't take no no drugs. Although, of course, you know a lot of people take got to take um, prescription drugs, you know, and and you got to do that. But for me, I I didn't feel the need for anything, even uh, sleeping pills. And I sure as hell wasn't going to take alcohol because I just wanted to try and keep my head clear. But um, yeah, so, so I hadn't slept for ages. And I turned up to my cousin's place, and she was um, trying to you know, help me out. And I was talking about this, that, and about the family court stuff. It was daylight, right? And I was just sitting there, and I sort of blinked. And then I opened my eyes again, and it was dark. And it was a blanket over me. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. You know, this was hours and hours later. And I just folded the blanket and went home. And um, I was just so immersed in the certain it, um, and I, I came back, I came back um, not long after I think, and again every time I turned up it was family court, boom boom boom, just all I spoke about, boom boom, family court, this that and the other one, oh my gosh, what's going on here, da, da, da. and and I and I um, I tell people not to be that guy that only ever talks about this when you're around people. Because sooner or later they're going to not be there. Uh, the invites stop coming um, because you've got to look after your team. They're there to help you, but if you're going to you know, unload on them, they need to look after themselves, their own mental health as well. But I turned up to my cousin's place and I was just unloading, unloading all this, and they they moved everything, changed everything on the table. We went for the paperwork, and um, and I was self litigating, I think, and we were just just trying to get our head around. This. I just turned up, right? Didn't, no phone call, just turned up. Blah, blah, blah. And we, we spent hours on it. And then I said, okay, okay, got it. I went, and then I went home. It dawned on me later that it was their son's birthday. And I thought, oh my gosh. They just turned everything out the window to listen to me for hours on end. I made it a point from then on and said, no, I'm never going to be that guy again that's going to turn up to a social setting or, or family setting or wherever and only ever talk about this. So, um, because you've got to look after them. Yeah, you know, you've got to look after them too. That's their niece and nephew that they're trying to get back, but they've got to deal with that trauma too. So build your team, but you've got to look after them as well as yourself. Yeah. Wow, man, because... Because what you're doing, um, also, in terms of the men who may be listening or anyone who's listening and also watching, it is you really are educating them, Frank, um, in terms of some of the jargons that, that's been said tonight. And you talk about parallel parenting, high co-parenting and so forth and self-litigate. Because I can imagine you, you're, you're finding answers. You're trying to you know, have, have a relationship with, build up that relationship with your kids again, uh, but also have a civil relationship with your, your ex so when you say self-litigate, what, what does that mean? Because I'm thinking, how, what, what made you want to represent yourself in court? Oh, uh, same reason everyone else self-litigates. I ran out of money. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that the truth? <laughs> I ran out of money and, and, and mama would let me some money and, and she said, well, because some woman, no, 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 that's enough, you know. And um, the thing was... Um, Legal aid allows for a lot of people to have a lawyer anyway. And what um, what I had, I had a legal aid lawyer and um, private rights lawyer afterwards. But the whole point was just, I guess it's just me being me, is that the whole point 
for me to have these laws was to learn from them. They, as far as I was concerned, they were my private tutor. I'm paying for them, and now they're going to tell me how to write these paperwork because I have no idea. So I'd sit there and just ask them, you know, and I'm, I'm paying, I'm paying close attention, close attention to what they're doing. Why is it written that way? Why is it structured this way? What is it called? What is that called? What's the memorandum? Yeah, you know, why do you write those instead of an affidavit? Or what's the submission? How? What is that about? Um, why are they structured that way? And yeah, you know, and and I was very fortunate that my first lawyer, she was brilliant, a solicitor, brilliant with her paperwork. Not that I knew, because I just saw it and it was just yeah, cool, sweet. But when other lawyers saw it, they were like, wow. This is high-level stuff. I said, "Really? Oh, great! Well, I learned from the best, didn't I?" So um, it was—I was fortunate in that way, um, having learned from uh, from my first lawyer, and also you're learning from the other lawyers too that are in the courtroom. Right? These are the opposition, and you're just watching how they do things. Why do they speak the way they speak? You know, why are they using these words instead of other words? And say, so "I'm." I'm always paying attention to what they're doing, learning from them as much as I'm learning from my own lawyers. And then it, um, eventually you get to a point where I think, I can do this. I think I can do this. Um, and it's not going to cost us anywhere near <laughs> what it did. So uh, I, I did. I just sent a memorandum into court and said, I'm self-litigating from here on it. And it was it, it just it changed everything. It changed everything, but it's not like I mean I hit the ground running. I, there was a lot of work that that I put in to be able to hit the ground. When 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 the time came, I was able to do it and do it well. And you never quite know whether you've done enough until you get to the end. Um, so I was very fortunate in in that respect. But and then afterwards. People were coming over. You self-litigated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You signed one, and you're, you're a truck driver. And you had a protection order, um, and you're half deaf. And all these, you know, I'm, so, I'm kind of I'm feeling quite insulted actually. But <laughs> you know, how do you? How do you? Yeah. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. And I tell them it doesn't matter, man. Um, if you want to make it an issue, then it will become an issue. But um, you, what you've got to prove under the Care of Children Act, and the, 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 the hint is in the title, Care of Children. Prove to the course that you can care for your children. That's all you got to do. Don't get caught up in the whole, you know, he did this or she did that and blah, blah, blah. Just prove to the course your ability to care for the children and that they are safe in your care. Right? What have you got to offer the children? Um, because if you're coming in angry, which everyone has a right to be, to be angry, and that's the presentation you're given, that you're so upset because everyone else is making mistakes and you haven't seen the children, you're not, you know, one of the slides I have in the workshop is that you are the evidence and that is it. You turn up and you talk like that, then the question that people are asking is, well, is it, are you ready to have the children around you when you're that intense and that angry? And that's, which you have every right to be. But at some point you've got to let things go and move forward for the greater good. Yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. Actually, oh, that, that's I'm good. That's also because um, I do want to know, because what you're saying, you have to be very, very meticulous 
in yeah. terms of getting into the court and seeing the judge and so forth. Can you describe for us, because we'd be interested to hear what you, you, what you kind of share, but can you describe for us when you, your first time to self-litigate yourself and represent yourself, can you describe to, to us what was happening for you mentally when you were in the, in the courtroom? And oh, well, you wouldn't get to the courtroom for a while, but I was when I sent my memo into to, to the courts, just uh, giving everyone a heads up that I was now self-litigating. And, you know, you've done your memo, you've signed it, and then you've got to push send, right? And I'm thinking, oh, my God. Should I push that send button? Because uh, then you push send, and I'm half expecting the, you know, the the, the SWAT team come smashing through the window. and said, "How dare you do that? <laughs> Who do you think you are?" But and, and I just pushed the send, and nothing was happening. In fact, I got an email back from the court. Said, "Thank you for your email." Blah, 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 blah. Said, oh wow, oh that's great. You know, it's, okay. So, um, <laughs> but he the the the, the, th- the thing with self litigation is that. A lot of people run out of money, right? But it's so expensive to have lawyers, but they are there for a reason. And if you choose to self-litigate to save money, then you'll see how much pressure they've shielded you from. And now you've got to self-litigate. They're gone. That you know that shield's gone and it's all on you now. Everything's coming at you. 100 miles an hour and you've got to deal with it, you know, and then you're thinking, oh, my gosh, maybe it was worth keeping all that, that money, um, paying them to do all of that sort of stuff because it's, it's intense, man. It's you got to know what you're doing. That's why I don't recommend – you got to be very careful um, if you choose to do that because if you're struggling with the pressure when you've got a lawyer and now you've taken that lawyer out of the equation, that pressure is now 10 times what it was. And can you deal with that? Can ask yourself that, eh? Because it may be it may be a lot easier just to get a legal aid lawyer and learn from that lawyer. And that lawyer will help you all the way through and be the shield that you know protects you from a lot of that pressure. The lot of the other pressure that you got to deal with is a lot of it's in your own head anyway. You know, it's like you've um, it's, it's you're just letting things sort of eat you up inside unnecessarily. When all you got to do was, especially when allegations are being made, um, affidavits coming in, emails, even emails. You know, people will send me emails. My lawyer sent me this one, or the other lawyer sent me this. Look at us, and they're stressing out over it. Right? And I said, "Bo, calm down. Let's have a look." And we have a look at it and say, "What do you think it says?" Well, they, they, and they tell me what they think. It doesn't say it at all. Have a look at it, and then we just break it down. But they've already made up their mind that it's going to stress them out. Um, and once you shift their perspective on what they're looking at, then that pressure is gone. So a lot lot of it is um, self-inflicted because, firstly, because they don't know where they are. They don't understand what the process is. But when you educate them on that, say, well, I think you're going to get an email from your lawyer soon or from the other lawyer. So expect it. And it's probably going to talk about this, so expect it. Then it comes, and it's like, oh, yeah, cool. But if they don't know, it's the, it's the unknown factor that, that, that really robs a lot of people of our sanity. And I've not been through that myself. Eh? It was just like, just make it stop. Please make it stop. Because I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, nice, Marlo. Man, just thinking about all the information out there and, you know, we're talking about lawyers and um, I guess even just trying to find um, a good lawyer can be 
a mammoth job. How do you decide, I mean, if a, law, a lawyer is good or not, are they good and bad, or is it like a spectrum of there's good, better and best? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's hit and miss. I know a lot of, I didn't, when I going through, when I broke up, I didn't know a single lawyer anywhere, and I was so happy about that. Um, but now I know quite a few lawyers, you know, and we'll, we'll catch up for coffee, and I know a lot of, pe- a lot of lawyers, and they are good people. They're good people. Um, but I haven't seen them in court, so I don't know what they're like as, as, as a lawyer. But I know they're really good people and they want the best for the, for, um, for the children. Um, and people ask me all the time, you know, who, who do you, I don't recommend any lawyers. Um, although property matters is a different, different case. I'm, you know, we're dealing mostly with Care Children Act, Family Violence Act, um, Oranga Tamariki and, and that, but Property matters. Um, I do recommend lawyers now. Cheryl, um, she was at the workshop, and she, you know she runs a law firm in the city, and they, she does deals mostly in um, property matters. So I recommend people to her for that. But in terms of the coca matters, um, I don't recommend any particular lawyer. What I do recommend is to work as a team, to work with your lawyer, to manage your lawyer. The, the lawyer is trying to manage you, but you also got to try and manage your lawyer. And so you got to try and find that uh, equilibrium where you can both work well together to get through the whole process. It's, and if you've got legal uh, – difficult, difficult when you have a legal aid lawyer because there's only a certain amount of money that they will that's been allocated for them to, to communicate with you. And so you've got to be very efficient with the communication. You don't want to send them a, you know, a three-page – you know, bedtime story, you, you just bullet points all the way through to try and, um, so you can get the most out of the money that's been allocated for the communications, that sort of stuff. And it's it's really important to try and work well with your lawyer. Because if you're not happy with that lawyer because you're not working well with him, and then you go for another lawyer and you're going to do the same thing with that lawyer, and you, all you're going to do is go from one lawyer to another. It's it's That lawyer needs to have faith that you are in control of yourself and that you um, are looking after yourself, and then you, and then you can, you know, you, you got to have faith with your lawyer that that you've got, that they're doing the best for you. You know, if you don't have that, if if the relationship isn't isn't like that, then maybe you need do need to find another lawyer. But I think a lot of I think a lot of people don't work well enough with their lawyer. Yeah. Sorry, Frank, because. When you're talking, because I, I, I admire your your tenacity, your tenacity, your rule, you know, really um, in terms of getting to see your kids, the relationship with your kids, and I think the end game really for any father or any parent is to see have that relationship to see their kids. But I'm just wondering as well, um, Frank, because sometimes life is is quite funny. You know, life kind of puts you in a journey where you never expect to do you know, certain things in, in life, but in terms of what you're doing right now. Do you see this as um, something long term? This is just this is my purpose now. That I'm just gonna just want to educate people and help people. Well, um, my 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 plan in life was to be a um, rugby league super coach. It just never play, played out that way. I'm not even close. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was you, the you. objective, <laughs> you know, to be able to stand up and coach people. Um, you know, rugby, the rugby league, and and go around the world coaching coaches to be great rugby league coach like oh. me, kind of. That was the plan, and make a lot of money doing that. But 
gosh, just not even close. Now, and you know, and, and I've always enjoyed writing, which is one thing. Um, yeah, I was, and I'm fortunate that you know, my um, English teacher back at St. Peter's was was really encouraging me to write. You know, and 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 I'm severely hearing impaired, and I. I could barely hear anything without hearing aids, and and I was always up in front of the class, and the, and the teacher was, um, brother Duffy, he was, and he was always encouraging me to write, and I'd write stories, and he would look at it and uh, and go, that's great, yeah, and it's fantastic, and I was getting top of the class, and he was top of the class, and I'm like, what? No, top of the class, and nothing, but here I am, top of the class in English, and so I was I was always good at writing, he kept encouraging me to write, and I thought. That could be a career that I'd love to be able to do one day to be able to to write as well, you know. If my league plan fell over, that was my backup plan was to be, yeah, um, you know, a Mills and Boone writer or something. But as it turns out, here I am coaching people through parental disputes on how to write these documents, and I say, well, that's, yeah, it wasn't the plan, but whatever. <laughs> It's, it's amazing how life just kind of you know, the different journeys and the different pathways that we have, and then sometimes something just comes out of the blue and and just changes and just puts a spanner in the works. And look at you now, you're, you're still coaching, but like you're saying, you're coaching parental disputes, and you're still impacting lives. I think that's the, that's the big thing that you're impacting these yeah. these individuals. You know, funny thing is, I used to coach um, uh, the um, elderly eagles under 16 years ago, and and my ex was the manager. <laughs> But, um, I co- you know, and there were some really good players in that team. And I managed to coach, you know, I thought it was a pretty good coach. And I managed to coach that team all the way to the bottom of the table. And it was, you know, uh, but the funny thing was, that year I was nominated as, um, I'm just going to blow my own horn now, but I was nominated as coach of the year for, um, the, the, for that age group in Auckland. I mean, who the hell would nominate me for that? As it turns out, one of the other parents was listening in on my conversation with my team. And when I was coaching the, rug, the league team, it was never about winning on the, on, on, on the field. It's great if you could win, but it was about building building these young boys into, into amazing men. And so that was always the objective. We got clobbered every week. You know, but we had a lot of fun losing. Um, and it's the same here. And I find myself, you know, 30 years later, saying the same thing to adults. It's not about winning in this adversarial system here. It's about rebuilding your relationship afterwards and you're using this as a medium to get there. And, it's, and I'm, I was thinking about it the other day. I thought, wow, yeah, crazy. That's awesome, man. That's awesome, man. That's cool. It's funny. I was literally about to ask you about an if you could think of an analogy from <laughs> coaching sports um, to your current work now, and if there's some crossover there. But um, no, you've answered it perfectly. Um, the other thing I was curious about was um, resilient optimism. Is a, a thought that came to mind in terms of the perspective you must have to have to guide um, you know these people through these really tough situations because. Um, perspective is so important and you're trying to give them hope and help them see the light but obviously um, you know you mentioned before about emotions and how sometimes that can be your worst enemy um, when you're hearing all these things being said about you and you haven't quite confronted the truth of it yet um, so uh, how do you remain resilient and optimistic um, and and continue to provide hope to to your clients 
Um, I don't know. I, I'm naturally a very positive person anyway. And, um, you know, I guess there has to be some sort of um, component of insanity in there too to be in this sort of arena because it is negative 24-7. Negative, negative, negative. And, 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 and it's almost like you're always trying to fight the tide. You know, the tide of negativity is still coming at you no matter what you say. But, um, but we've been fortunate enough because I, I, can, I can see it in their eyes when they get it. Right? Some of them get it very quickly, as that case I was talking to you about before. Um, and you know, now that child's trajectory, life trajectory has changed completely, I'll probably never meet that child. You know? But it's such a privilege to be have had some influence over that and that um that i guess is you know that that recharges you to be able to do that and a lot of the cases go on for so long that the 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 end isn't for for, all you're doing is laying foundations uh for people to reach a goal that may be years away but i guess i'm fortunate in that to me it's just get the job done. That's all it is. They just get it done, man. And um, there's no, there's no, there's, you know, there's no ego or, or anything. There's no money involved. We factor the money out of the whole thing because the money component is one of is the straw that'll break a lot of people's back. Yeah, you know, you, you, everyone wants. Everybody's out there. So many people wanting to help you, but they're going to. You need to pay them. So I don't have money. I was a truck driver. I can barely have money to pay the rent. No, I don't have money to pay you for this. Can you help me, please? Okay. And so from that time, I made it a point that I was never going to ask anyone for money. So that's taken out of the equation. That changes the dynamics quite significantly. Um, and I, you know, I even. You know, and people that come to me and I just tell them, just be mindful, please, that the time I'm giving you, I'm not being paid for. This is my family time, but I'm willing to give up my family time to help try and reunite you with your children. You know, um, so I don't want people to, I don't want to waste people's time. I don't want them to waste my time. We've got to be very, very efficient about this because um, we all have, you know, it's so easy to lose your mind for everything to go spiral out of control, and then from your perspective, it's over. There's no turning back. There's no recovering from what's happening. But when I have, a, I have a conversation with them, and I'll listen to them for ages, just taking notes. I may not say anything. I'll just take notes, and they'll they'll explain me the whole story, and then I'll just tell them, "Hey, this is pretty cool," and they're going, "What?" I say, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is pretty cool what you just said over there and just here. If we do this, that and the other, then you might be able to to be in a better position here. And it's just a shift of perspective. Then all they saw was darkness. But a slight shift of perspective, now they can see a glimmer of light there and say, that's cool. Now we just got to keep moving. We've got to do this, that, and that's going to be hard, but I'll help you through it. You know, just send you send that email to lawyer, to your lawyer, um, or send this email to uh, if you're self litigating. Yeah, you know, just this is what you got to do. And if they're, they're, they're scared, 
They're scared out of their wits. I, I know that. I was too. So you got to do this, bro. Um, I enterprise. Get this done. And it's just, it is painful at the moment. But trust me, it's only temporary. Get through this and things will get better. And to see them change like that is just, it's amazing. And like I said, it's, a, it's not something you do for money. Wow. Wow. Because where does that come from, Frank? Because you, like, it is, you talk about sacrifice, you talk about giving up your time, and like Cameron was saying, there's resilience and optimism. But where does that come from? Because you have to be so resilient in, in, a, in, a, in a space. Obviously, you, you've, been in, you've, you've experienced it. You've been in a thick, a thick of it. But I'm just wondering, where does that come from, your, your heart to, to pour out and to give to these people who come and see you? Oh, I guess if I have to blame anyone, it'll be mum. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she would just literally do anything for anyone, you know. Um, yeah, she was just an amazing woman. I'm very fortunate. Or maybe it's a curse. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, she would do anything for anybody and um, nothing was too much, you know. She was just, just money or food or time or anything that people needed and... Um. Yeah, and yeah, I'm just very fortunate. Well, it's amazing because I, I know as 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 a people, you know, we love to give and we love to, you know, we we wear our, our hearts on our sleeves. But this is like, man, like this is like you just gone over to to a whole new level, um, Frank, in terms of sacrificing, giving yourself to giving your your time to these people, and so it's just it's a, it's a, I find it quite amazing because I don't think a lot of men would be would would kind of give up their time just to to help other people who are going through the same predicament, but for you to do that, that's that's massive because it just reveals the kind of person that you are. Well, like I said, I've, I've been through the whole thing myself, mm. and it was scary, man. It was scary, and I I get why a lot of people would give up. I get a lot of I get why um, our suicide stats are as bad as they are. And I'm, I can tell you now, being through all this, it's it's bad, but it's nowhere near as bad as you think it is. Because once you see the, some of the stuff that we talk about, then a lot of that fog of confusion, for want of a better term, dissipates. You know, and it doesn't take much to explain it to them. And I use a lot of flowcharts and a lot of diagrams that I draw on Microsoft Paint which looks really crude, but they work. And I was explaining it to them. Um, or they'll show me some of, some of their paperwork and say, that's, well, that's not that bad. So what do you mean? Because they've already, they're in this position where they've convinced themselves that it's, it's this bad. And for someone to come in and say, well, you know what, it's not that bad. You know, there's a lot of positives in here. We can use that to try and shift Things uh, realign your goal, and then we can make it make it work. And it's 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 a huge paradigm shift for some people, and some may not, as I say, not ready for it. And there's nothing you can do about that. You know, if if they're convinced that it's that you know, no one can help them, then that's it. You know, no one can help them. But I'm telling you now, there's a lot that can you can do to make things a lot better, make it more manageable. You know, um, 
especially with people, you know, guys out there with protection orders and, and mums as well, but who protection orders and it's just eating away at them. You know, they can't see their, their children as all supervised. Well, should I tell people that I've got a protection order, you know, to keep it quiet, keep it to myself? Um, and I was quite open about it, you know. I went on a date once. <laughs> and I told her, you no, I've got, got a protection order, by the way. And I don't know what I was thinking, but that didn't go down well. <laughs> so how long, how long did, what did the date oh, last for? five minutes after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Frank, what are you doing? Don't be that guy, Frank. Yeah, don't, know, be, don't that be that guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh, man, Frank. Just crack up, Frank. Just crack up. <laughs> so, hey, where are you going? What's, what's, what's <laughs> up, man? <laughs> <laughs> well, the assumption is, uh, if you've got a protection order, well, you, you, you must be that far away from being an axe murderer. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but I'm not. Honestly. <laughs> I'm a nice guy. My mum told me. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I'm curious oh, about um, how things have been, like, in terms of um, all the clients that you're getting. Do you feel like, in general, relationships are improving overall, or are they getting worse? Or we've had things like COVID that have come in and sort of switched things up a bit. Yeah, um, that made a lot of things difficult. Um, people using the the, the uh, anything as an excuse to keep the children away from the other parent, be it mum or dad, under the COVID. Um, you know, I thank God that's gone now because now they're back to using other excuses to keep the children away from the other parent um no the, it's all case by case basis it's 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 a term i you know i i i i heard going through family court and it's a case by case basis you know you sound like a lawyer what does that mean but having dealt with all of this it is case by case basis there's no there's no one size fits all um, it looks like it from the outside when they m- make um, certain rulings, but it's all case by case basis. And and I think a lot of a lot of cases are poorly managed. Um, and it's all about the family court. It's all about trying to inflict as much damage on the other parent as, as possible. And that that other parent, you know, has just got to just hang in there and ride it out, educate themselves. And not get caught up in um, beating themselves up over a lot of the things that are being said about them, because it'll just, you know, if you let it rule you, it will rule you. But you just, you know, with your lawyer, just address that point. You know, I deny that. Boom, park it to the side. Move on. Don't even think about it after that. I deny that one. Move. Oh yeah, I did do that. That was bad. You know, I could have done better. My apologies. Boom, move to this, and then just keep moving. Just don't let it, you know, fester away inside you, and and be that guy that only ever talks about that every time you go somewhere. Um, it's really, really important to to look after yourself and to look after your team. Build your team. Find find the people that uh, have the same attitude and goal as you, which is to get that high level of co-parenting or even co-parenting just to start with. Um, and that starts by simply sending the text, a text over. Hey, we're just going over to have a picnic with the kids. You want to come? This is on your day. And text comes back. Um, no. This is cool. You know, a week later, send another text. Hey, we're going to be at Mission Bay. It's just us. Because they don't, 
don't want to be around your family. You don't want to be around their family because of the dynamics of what went on. So we're just keeping it simple, just the kids and the two parents. And so now you want to come over and you just that's how you do it. Just keep plodding away at it. It's got nothing to do with the family court. This is just something you're doing after the family court to try and rebuild the relationship. Uh, uh, it's um, constant, constant work, but it needs to be done for the for the benefit of the children. Um, I don't know if I answered your question there. I've forgotten what it was. Well, that yeah, was, yeah. Lover, Marlo, lover, Frank. Hey, Frank, I just, just wanted to know, and just from your personal um, thoughts around the family courts and the system, and you being in, in experiencing it, do you think you think that what are, what are your thoughts on the system? Is the system there to to really help uh, these individuals, or is it there to do you feel like it's kind of a bit of a, a setup to fail? Well, from my experience, you know, you'll you'll be hard pressed to find anyone who's positive about the family court. That would be front page news. <laughs> But I am. I am positive about family courts from my experience, what I've been through. It's nothing like what I was told it was going to be. And if I had believed them, and actually it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you if you take it all on board and say, oh, well, they're going to be that way, well, then I'm going to be this way. And so the dynamics and the energy is such before you even go in. Whereas if you come at it from a different perspective as we do, then... Um, Things can happen. People are there to help, funnily enough. I mean, you don't, it may not seem like it, but if they feel that you're genuine in, you, in what you're trying to do, then they will bend over backwards to help you. You know, these court registers, the family, um, the family court navigators, um, the lawyers, you know, counsellors, these people will make things happen for you because you can't do it on your own. But if you're going to come in with this negative energy then, you know, a lot of the, you know, it's going to be much, much harder. You need them on board. It takes a village to be able to do this and you need them on board and you thank them for their help, you know, and ultimately you've got to get to the judge and convince the judge that this is what you believe can be achieved after court. And so, Your Honour, this proposal, I believe, will help... Um, catapult us to that position where we can co-parent to a high degree and if you do it well um, it can happen I know it can happen I've seen it happen um, a lot of people don't want to believe that and I think it's 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 sad because you don't go into a boxing ring without thinking you got no chance of, of winning you know, you go in there, you're going to get everything. And if you lose, you lose. But you've got to give it everything. Um, I always use sporting analogies in, in the <laughs> workshops. Great, great. I love, yeah, we love sports, man. <laughs> only because only that was the only way I can try and get my head around a lot of these concepts. Um, and, it, and, you know, and it, it, if it makes sense to me, it can make sense to anybody. So I, I, I you know, and I explain it that way. And I wish it had been explained that way to me. Right. In a sporting analogy, because I would have got it straight away, but it wasn't as it was. I had to fumble around and do this, and talk to that person, go to this library and read these documents to finally get an understanding of it. And then I'm thinking, oh gosh, is that it? Why didn't they just tell me this? That would have made it so much easier. 
which is now what we do in the workshop. We just simplify everything. And it's not to insult anyone's intelligence, it's just this is the way. And it's, um, when I run the workshops, as far as I'm concerned, there were only three other people in the room. And as me, as uh, the younger self in 2012 when I broke up, no idea about what to do. And now he's sitting there in front of me and I've got the whiteboard and the projector and I'm explaining to this fool what to do. How to get his way, work his way through all of this. And the other two are my children who are sitting in the back. No one else can see them except me. But as adults, so then they were, they were um, two and three when we were going through the proceedings. Um, but I visualised them as in their mid-twenties and maybe even holding their own babies. And they're sitting there, and I, this is a technique we use that I encourage people to use in court as well, is that if you're in a exam, uh, cross-examination witness box, you visualise your children in the room and no one else can see them but you. And everything you say, yeah, the way you conduct yourself, the way you, you hold yourself, the, the way you dress, everything you say, if your children, and, and even though you've got to say some hard truths, and that's cool. The children are old enough to deal with it. But if you conduct yourself in a way that would make the children proud, then you're good. You're good irrespective of what the order's going to be. Um, and that's why the workshops are called Make Them Proud. It's not just to make you know, my children proud as adults, but to make my, my whole team, you know, your, your family. The, because your support team starts off as usually your family. You know, they, they come in right then. And they're crying as well because now they've lost their grandchildren or their nephew and niece. and that. So they're there, but they've got no idea as well about this whole thing. So the next layer of your, your support team would have to be um, lawyers you know, or um, social workers. Then the next layer might be the counsellors. Um, or now we've got the um, family court navigators. They're, they're, quite, they're doing a lot of good work out in the community as well. And then your next layer might be the psychologist. And that team will evolve as you go through and you've got to look after them. Um, you need them. And when you've got to a point as you go through your proceedings, some people may not have any experience with where you're at. And so you've got to find someone who does. Thank them for their help and move on to someone else and just keep moving. Um, and your team will evolve as you evolve and everyone has to be have the same objective, and that is to, you know, it is what it is, let go of the past, but we're, we're going to try and rebuild our relationships here. If anyone on the team is not on board with that, and you can tell with the way they speak at um, roundtable meetings or when, you know, wherever, then you've got to cut them loose because it's not good. Everyone has to be paddling in the same direction. Mm. Thank you for answering that, especially going back to the, the legal system. Because sometimes the, you think of, you know, and I hear quite a few times, I hear often like, oh, the system is rigged, the system is set, to, to, you know, set up to, to, to make us fail and so forth. Yeah. It's against our people. But I love that you said, hey, it's not, the onus is not on the, on the system or the, uh, or the justice system itself. It's really the onus is on the individual and finding the right people, finding the right help, um, doing your homework and putting in, putting in the work. So no, that's that's cool. I like that. Thank you for that. It's cool. And I'm, I'm curious about um, you know, there's that saying, um, prevention is better than cure, 
and I'm sure you've gone through enough cases and even have your own to reflect on. Um, is there any advice you'd give out to to our men um, that, that might be watching in terms of relationship prevention and like just navigating some of those things that can snowball quite quickly Yeah, um, and how you'd sort of address some of those issues? Yeah, if you're in a relationship now, you've got to look after your partner. you really got to look after your partner. Take time out. you got children, take time out. Have a weekend away. Um, and maybe even just, you know, the counselling. That should have been... That was a red flag for me that I didn't pay attention to when she asked me for counselling. What were you counselling for? Because oh, I was, you know, I was on my way to being a super rugby league coach, right? So who don't need counselling for anything? I'm man's man. But funny thing is, no, having gone through family court, I recommend people deal with their trauma. So get counselling. It's so, so important. Um... But, you know, if you're in a relationship now, as I say, just, you know, just just love each other. Take the time out. Um, you know, you know, find someone to look after your children for a weekend and just go away somewhere and, and, and just pay more attention to each other. You know, just this... I know it sounds easy but it's it's when you're in the whole thick of it especially when the money trying to find money to pay the bills and um or if one's not working then it's so hard but you got to get through this together um and and it can be done there's a lot of people that will help there's a lot of organizations out there that will help people who are struggling um when they're together because um and it's best to find these organizations family success matters and manuel is one that we work with a lot who help a lot of the parents who um families that are still together to try and um, get through the, the hard times. Um, they, they do a lot of work. And um, and there's, there are different ones as, as well. And don't be shy to look for help, you know. Um, and if ever the counselling word pops up, take it, man. <laughs> just Just take it because you will be in court within six months. Um, yeah. And also, I know we're very conscious of time as well, Frank. And what you've already said has just been nuggets, a lot of, lot of, lot of nuggets. And I, I can guarantee a lot of the men that are watching or listening to this, and even even the ladies, or anyone in general who, who's listening in, is going to take a lot from this. Because I know, like I said before, early on, it's it, there's a lot of men hurting. There's a lot of um, families that are hurting because of you know the parental disputes and so forth, and not being educated. And I love the work that you do. And so also, also just oh, just continue the, the great work that you do. Thank you for for your time, but also thank you for your heart to, to help um, people out there who are, are yearning to have the relationship with their kids. And so props to you also. And uh, man, bless you in, in, in the endeavors and in, in the journey. And you are, you're pretty much a super coach. You're, you're coaching a lot of our, <laughs> our, our, our whanau and our, our ingas out there. And so man, man props to you also. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for the insight. It's really interesting because it's a space that I know absolutely nothing about and probably what little I know is what I've seen on TV which obviously is nowhere near the, the reality of it and so it's just it's comforting to know that there are people out there putting in the mahi and sort of being able to roadmap it for people who have no knowledge of it um, or people who find themselves in that situation um, and obviously none of it's planned um, things life just happens and so it's really cool 
just to know a little bit more about what you do and that there is hope out there. So thanks for shedding light on that. And um, yeah, really appreciate the time. Awesome. And so um, Frank, every guest that comes on, we always give them a bit a sketch or a caricature, uh, a gift. And so on behalf of the Mandate team, this is for you, Uso. <laughs> thanks, man. Maro, love Uso. Hey, thank you. Thank you for your time. <laughs> so appreciate it, man. Appreciate your, your, your pearls of wisdom. But, it, but, but you were so interesting, um, Frank, because we, we we talked about it earlier on, and so um, respects to uh, the to the Usu PJ, he's part of the yeah part of the uh, Kiwi Daddies, that one of the founders, and so he talked about it earlier on the beginning of the year, and so what a, what timing, what perfect timing to to have you on um, jump on board this evening and share, and I can guarantee a lot a lot of um, pearls, a lot of uh, wisdom, a lot of our men are going to take um, heed and, and and listen to what you've just said and shared. But before you go, so before we kind of conclude, is there anyone out there that you think that would be ideal to come on the podcast? Anyone that you can think of? You think? Oh, let's see. I'm just trying to. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I can think of you want any names? Yeah, yeah, name, yeah <laughs> anyone, anyone you can think of at the top of your head. Oh well, I'm um, David Ringrose, and well, he's he's a good friend of PJ's. Da- PJ does a lot of really really good work out out in um, South Auckland, and and David Ringrose is another who's um, social worker, and yeah, he's uh, he deals with the men at the other end of the spectrum because we're trying to. He helps run the workshops, uh, facilitate the workshops, and we're trying to deal with it at coca, coca level when they're they're young. But a lot of these young children in coca then could end up in family court, uh, in uh, youth court, and then in crimes, and that's where he deals with it at that end. So we've got we kind of bookend a lot of the the, the trauma that the, a lot of the men are going through. So it'd be quite good, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he'll be up for coming on, but he'll be good value to hear from that end of uh, the spectrum on, on what he deals with, and he's been doing it for a long, long time. I mean, that guy is, a, um, you know, he's he's amazing. He's, he's he's just amazing. Oh man, awesome, David. David is it? David Ringrose, hey? David, David Ringrose. Hey, we'll put you. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll probably just get a holler at you and, and, and <laughs> check out. Um, but otherwise, also, any last words of encouragement for our men out there? Oh, just just to know that there's a lot of hope out there. There's a lot of help. Don't think that you can't do this, because you can. And it's, you can. Believe that you can. And find the right people in your team, and things will happen. Just stay, have faith in yourself, Um, have faith in God and have faith in the people around you and it will happen. Yeah. Maro, love also. Or even just a plug-in because where where can people find you, Frank, and get your services? Uh, Facebook, um, they've got a website, uh, gwc.org.nz. I don't really... I mean, I don't really promote myself too much. Um, this is the first podcast I've sorry, this is the first podcast I've done for a long time. I've got maybe a couple of interviews to go, and and then that's it. And I'm just going to go hide under a rock <laughs> after that. Um, but if they want me, they'll find me. You know, on on, on Facebook, and uh, and if they 
they really need help, I do encourage them to come to do the next workshop, whenever that's going to be, because that that's where all the information is given out freely. Um, well, they're always free, but it's all there, all in one go. Then we do the role play, and, and then we can follow up uh, afterwards. But it's a great introduction. The workshop is a great, simple introduction to the whole process. And if they come in with a warm heart and open mind, then they will see that um, a lot of the stuff is relevant and it will work um, if they allow it to. Awesome, awesome. And so if you're needing that support or you're needing to have the telenor or the corridor, please look up Frank Hicks. Uh, he's more than happy to, to give you a hand and help you guys and educate you. So thank you so much once again, Frank. And as usual, Jamin. Our mantras refine, unlock, and take charge. Landing.